Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now for something completely different. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of this season's Real Football Cast. And once again, it's time to do something completely different. With it being the festive period, it's time to revert to our tried and tested format of Kits in the Bin. And that means two more guests will have the opportunity to serve up their biggest pet hates in football. This week, it's a combined effort of sorts, as I'm joined by the duo from the wonderful Football Eclipse podcast. Chaps, it's a pleasure to have you both on board. First up, Yanni, thanks for your time this evening, and I hope all is well. Hi, Dan, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, Looking forward to it. Never really done anything like this in terms of pet hate, so it should be interesting to see what Pete says as well and how you rate them. Don't worry, chaps, you're in safe hands. And also, like I say, it's a combined effect. So Pete also joins us. So Pete, I hope you're primed and ready for this evening. Oh, Dan, I've got a number of pet hates in football. I'm glad that we get to speak about it to get a number of things off my chest. Um, so yeah, pleasure to be here. And I, I, just, I can't wait to get into it, really. Excellent. Right, I best do some social media bits first. Otherwise, we'll be talking to the abyss once more. So first, <clears> if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy983. And also, the podcast has its own account, which is at RealFootballPod. And if you want to become a shareholder, simply follow and join this very, very elite members club. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. If you use that platform, leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Acast. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. And what is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's the company behind the game, Last Man Standing. One which is free to enter and the prize pool once again stands at £1,000. If this has grabbed your interest, be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. The odds are winning are great, but they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And Yanni, quite simply, what is the first thing that you would like to see kicked in the bin? Right, number one for me... Uh, it has to be this new rule where defenders can go in the box when keepers take a goal kick. I just don't understand what is the point. The ball is going to go upfield anyway. So if you go along, 
what, what's the point in having that rule? And if you do go short, the defenders can sit outside the box and receive it anyway. It creates this huge gap between your defensive midfield and it just doesn't it doesn't send out a good message of you wanting to play positive football. If you what's the point in the keeper passing it two yards to the defender? It's daft. I don't, it just it just nothing adds up to me uh, with, with with that rule. So, I mean, what what do you think of it? Um, I think this is a, I guess, the evolution of the Pep era of football. You know, everything sort of short passes, neat, working from the back, and because they want to be working from the back even quicker. You know, like I say, why not just pass it outside the box and start that move from the back? But now it's all about, you know, possession and getting it away from the goalkeeper as soon as possible. And I think that's just been where we are at the moment. Pete, Well, your... for me, for me, that's where, sorry, sorry to cut you off. That's, that's where a lot of teams are going wrong in the sense that they want to play this pretty football. Everyone wants to be like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp playing that brand of football. But in reality, you've not got the players to do it. Yeah, I think that's not a, a bad suggestion that you've made, actually. A fair counterpoint on top of that. So, Pete, what's your take? Anything to add? Do you think against or for that? I'm going to absolutely with this wholeheartedly. I think it's an absolutely brilliant rule whereby you're kind of encouraging that style of football. Yanni goes on about his long ball. I disagree with that. Not everyone goes long ball. Play it from the back. You, you're ensured that yeah, you can play it for, uh, at the back, from the back, without dropping yeah. into the box. But, yeah, how, but, how did we get on in the last decade no, because often the striker does go forward and the ball can be intercepted with going in the box you're ensured that that ball is definitely going to you're going to get possession of the ball I'm not having it Pete. I'm not having it alright that's your choice I don't <laughs> think it's worthy of getting uh, in the bin purse. right so the football clips team have uh, fallen out already which is quite the start so um, <laughs> yes I'm sorry to have split you up this early I didn't expect that but um, yeah I think <laughs> It's a difficult one, really, isn't it? Because I think it's just the way that football is going. Like I say, you know, because of the managers who want to play this kind of style, it's like, well, it's played into their hands. So do you sort of follow their lead and try, without much success, to play that kind of football? Or do you try and play your own brand of football? It's a difficult one, really. I mean, I'm not against it so much. I don't really... I'm not irate to the point where I think, oh, why is that happening? I mean, to be honest, as a Spurs fan, we were playing like that. But now we've got Mourinho, who seems to be playing it a lot longer. Like, we've got Toby Alderweireld, who's now sort of going back to his sort Mm. of rangy passes and you know the ones that are actually a bit more profitable and I'm not an advocate for long ball but I do feel you sort of have can have that in your locker as well so I think I don't hate it enough to put it in the bin I think it's all right I think it serves a purpose it all depends on the kind of football we want to play so right if you saw every agreed if you saw every team playing that you'd be like well what on earth is this like why is this happening but I think just leave it to the the teams you want to play it and if teams want to play it and don't have the players then they'll just fail so you know that's the kind of the fair system that if you're going to try it and fail because you haven't got the, the repertoire of the squad to do so, then that's your own fault. But I think it's not a bad thing to have in place and as a, an option. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes... Love that, Dan. Okay, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm outnumbered here, 2-1. Two, <laughs> two I'll, I'll let you have that one. So unfortunately, Yanni, it's not the perfect start. That one's uh, <laughs> sort of run around the rim of the bin and bounced back out. So it's not, not quite got into the bin. <sighs> so Pete, what have you got for me, mate? What's the first thing you want to see kicked in the bin? Well, my first one... I- actually happens to be my most hated you know the, the worst pet hate of mine now this one is kicking the ball out of play to get attention for an injured player when we all really know that that player isn't injured and even worse being morally obliged to do so because like like i said the, the player's more often than not, not injured he's cheating he's staying down he's waiting for the ball to be kicked out not only that the player that actually has the ball on the 
opposition team he's booed as if he's some heartless cheat this bad person for not kicking the ball out when you know if he wanted to his team could go on an attack and get a goal it's, it's not his duty to kick the ball out it's the referee's decision to, to stop the game like yes kick the ball out of play but if he's on the floor and he supposedly hurt his ankle and, and nothing's actually happened I, I can't stand it it really does me I didn't when I'm a Villa fan and whenever the opposition team are played just to carry on the game man it's, it's you know what I mean it's it's not his duty oh a very interesting point there so Yanni anything to add to that do you agree disagree uh I'm a, I hate to sit on the fence, but th- there are instances where players go down and they are genuinely injured. And if if the other team does carry on, you know, th- this player's cropped on the floor near his own box, for example, and he's playing everyone on side. So, uh, yeah, it's annoying when that does happen. It's usually like late on in the game. Um, but, you know, th- th- there are instances where players are injured and it's just going to happen and we-, we kind of have to accept it. You know, sometimes it's a head injury and it's automatically start. But I- if it's not, you know, a player can't run. He-, he can't run. Like, kick it out and let-, let them make a change so it's a fair game. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if everyone who goes to the ground is injured and sort of playing for time and sort of time-wasting. I think if everyone's doing it, it's a bit like the sort of, if everyone was passing out from the back, you think, oh, you know, why is everyone passing out from the back? But you do have to take into account that there are sometimes legitimate injuries and you do feel you do need to sort of stop play. I mean, let's say, for example, mm. Andre Gomez getting his leg broken. You can't sort of say, <laughs> oh, no, let, let's keep going. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are certain circumstances. Yeah, but, Dan, yeah, sorry to cut you up. That was actually a foul, though, and the referee actually, the, the game was stopped, wasn't it? So I think in them incidents, you know, if the ref stops play, then fair enough, but... If a player just happens to hurt, if let's say a player has really hurt himself and he's on the floor and the referee hasn't blown his whistle, then I, I don't think it's a problem if the other team carries on. If it's that bad, the referee should stop it, not the player. Oh, it's a difficult one though, because what if the referee doesn't see it? Do you know what I mean he might not be? He might be looking away. For, it's a really tough one. I, I, I get the sentiment, and there's nothing worse than sort of 88th minute. You're looking for an equaliser, and all of a sudden their number nine hits the deck, and they're there's too the many ifs and buts. Yeah, it's, it's not clear cut enough for me. So okay. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm setting the threshold quite high tonight. Okay, <laughs> you've caught me. You've caught me in a sort of a, a, a stingy mood, as I should say. But it's all right. I've got you with this next one, Dan. Okay. Yeah, it's like well, you've got plenty more to come, so don't worry about that. So, unfortunately, <laughs> if this was your strongest one, you've gone sort of Cristiano Ronaldo early, haven't you? So yeah, very. Oh, I've bottled it there. Yeah, you might. Sometimes it's better to keep your best to last, like your number five. But um, yeah, true. Yeah, it's all about tactics. There's no real sort of uh, systems. But unfortunately, I can't let that one into the bin so it's it's nil nil at the moment not a great start but still plenty, still me plenty of time to turn it around so yanni what's number two for you mate right i think this one is a slight improvement and it really gets on my nerves imagine it's a big game yeah important game in terms of your league position and the players are in the tunnel and they're laughing and joking with players on the other team what are you doing as in imagine imagine roy Keane and patrick vieira in the tunnel before the game, having a laugh and a joke with each other. No, 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 no. They're playing mind games in that tunnel already. The game's being played before they step out on the pitch. And now, and these days, I always sit with David De Gea with Man United and it bugs me. It really does bother me. But what if they're genuinely friends and they're they're having a catch-up and it's just... It's not the time for a catch-up. They're playing a professional game of football. But, their head's in the football zone, but if they see someone that they get on with, they're going to just ignore them just for the sake of a football match. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because it's it's a sport. It's all about winning that one game. So don't have a laugh and a joke. Focus. Head forward. 
play some mind games with the other player and get out on that pitch and show that you mean business. Right, I think Pete's already sort of added his value. And do you know what? That's not really something that I ever thought annoyed me, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, you are right. Like, you shouldn't be high-fiving your position and patting him on the back and saying, like, exactly. how is everything? Like, you want, like, tunnel vision, absolute daggers. Like, Keenan Vieira threatening to break each other's legs. That's the kind of thing we want. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's not enough of that in football these days. So, do you know what? That's a really, really good shout. One that I've never really thought I hated, but I do now. And thankfully, I'm going to eradicate it. It's kicked in the bin. No more laughing with the opposition. <laughs> we're going to war. Buzzing. So, that's it. Yeah, we're going to war. Yanni's off the mark. It's one one for two for Yanni. <laughs> what have you got for me, mate? So, this, this is one that annoys me. I'm not sure if it's very popular, but... When international teams appoint foreign managers. Now, this isn't racist or anything like that. I just believe that, for example, England, when they appointed Fabio Capello, Sven Goran Eriksson, they're not English. And I get that they know their stuff, but at the same time, it's not the same passion. You were telling me that England under Fabio Capello, when they play Spain, do you really think Fabio Capello really wants England to win? I don't know. Yes, it's his job, but he's Spanish. And when it comes to nationalities, you know, you play with your heart. I just don't see the logic behind why England do that. Obviously, we've got Gareth Southgate at the moment, and you can see the difference. England at the moment, we're, we're a different team, and, and it helps with the England manager being English. So it, it is a pet hate of mine. And, and if Gareth Southgate happens to be retired in in the near future and we appoint a foreign manager i will be annoyed yes i will language barrier tactics are harder i just don't like it so that's that's my point okay yanni anything to add to that or counter to i'm gonna fully agree with you pete because i feel like the manager can't make that connection with the players and the fans and and you know say for example when trippier scored that england goal yeah if we had if we had a foreign manager, do you think he would have gone nuts as Gareth Southgate did? Exactly. I don't think that would have been the case. So I appreciate your honesty um, to agree on this with me <laughs> because you could have easily just disagreed for the sake of this game. Um, but yeah, Dan, what are you thinking about this one? Do you know what? I think you're on the money. Absolutely on the money. Something I've felt before that it shouldn't really... I think a slight caveat, that let's say if you're, I don't know, Kenya and you might go and get like a French coach who's been around the block a bit, bit of a mercenary who's in his mm. six, 60s, you might get a little bit of an extra wage for he retires. It's not, yeah. That's not necessarily the worst thing because, if anything, it sort of helps the, the standard of the global game. However, England, and you're right, you're not being sort of xenophobic or anything, but you shouldn't be looking outside what you've got. You should have that sort of that bond, that national bond. So it's something I've yeah. thought about before. I don't think necessarily it has to be like a hard and fast rule that you have to have someone from your own country oh, no, be no, the manager. Not. But you're right, it Balls my piss just as much as yours. <laughs> so, um, so for that reason, you're absolutely right. That one's going in the bin. So you're off Wicked. the mark as well, Pete. So it's uh, lovely. It's a fifty percent hit rate at the moment. Can you improve your average, Yanni? What's your third thing you'd like to see kicked in the bin? Okay, number three on my list. Imagine your team signed a wicked player, big money contract. We're talking hundred grand a week, yeah. And then he steps up for a corner, and he cannot beat. The first man, what a knobhead. <laughs> Honest to God. I mean, that that just, oh, it makes my skin crawl. These players on the money they're on. Uh, fair enough, it can happen every now and then. But the certain corner kick takers who, more often than not, they can't beat the first man. And I just think you're in such a good position to maybe get, get a corner set piece goal. And you just go and do that. And it just ruins the morale of the team. Okay, Pete, anything to add to that one? 
I agree with it. I agree with it massively because, you know, like I said, I'm a Villa fan. When we can't beat the first man, I go mad at the TV. Um, it, it seems so simple just to loft the ball in the box. That's what it is, the simplicity yeah, of it and the it. money they're on and they can't perform that. However, is it worth chucking it in the bin over, you know, the potential pet hates we've got? I don't think it doesn't aggravate me as much as it aggravates you. What, imagine you're in the 90th minute, yeah? You've got a corner kick. It's your time to equalise or score a winner. And they don't beat the first man. Are you not going ballistic at the of course TV? Of am, but sometimes it does happen. It depends on each game, personally. It, it's annoying. I just don't think it's annoying enough. Right. This is a very interesting subject and one that's close to my heart because I'm a Tottenham fan. And after the <laughs> Christian Eriksen doing exactly what Yanni has described. And it's so, <laughs> so frustrating. So whoever signs that man next, wherever he goes, is going to have those same problems. And if there's a Spanish version of this podcast, they'll probably be discussing the same things that they want to see kicked to the bin once he's in a Real Madrid shirt. Because it is so, so frustrating. Yeah. It, it's like, there's no real excuse for it. Like you say, like, yes, it can happen every now and again. And I do admit that Ericsson did actually hit Vertonghen's head on Sunday. So there is something to get out of <laughs> I was just about to say that, Dan. I was, I was thinking Ericsson is... The, that guy that normally delivers really well on set pieces. So I'm surprised that he said that. No, for corners, he's useless. But at the same time, no. like I say, he works on Sunday, but a broken clock is right twice a day. So I think for that reason, and because I've had so much experience of this, and it really winds not just me, but 60,000 Spurs fans in attendance. <laughs> if you'd have said just Christian Eriksen fainted at corners, you'd have gone straight in the bin. You wouldn't have had to play the case. <laughs> but, but that's absolutely fine. So that works for me. Big name signings or big name creative players who can't, Beat the first man from a corner. That is going straight in the bin. So top Get shout, in. Right. Lovely. Well played, well played. Right, Pete, it's your third pick. What have you got for me, mate? So this one isn't necessarily involved with gameplay. It's more opinion-based. Now, my third pet hate is biased football fans. Now, when I mean biased, I mean really biased. Like clear-cut arguments where the... The person you're speaking to is just so one way with their team and you can't get through to them. And it gets to the point where I actually physically can't take any more of this conversation slash argument anymore because, you know, they're only thinking one way. Uh, there was a perfect example not long ago. Robbie Savage interviewed someone at the start of the season. I think he was an Arsenal fan. And he, he simply asked him uh, something that he was better, Ozil or Kevin De Bruyne. And this guy was... Uh, adamant that Ozil was a better player than Kevin De Bruyne and he stuck by it. He said, David Luiz is better than Van Dijk and I, I had to switch it off. I couldn't take it anymore. So, yeah, this 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 is a massive pet hate of mine. People that are so obsessed and biased with their club and can't accept it for what it is. OK, Yanni, what's uh, your take on this one? Well, he's biased, so this might be <laughs> no, difficult. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm very open-minded. No, I, I compliment Man City. I compliment <laughs> Liverpool. Um, but Pete... I'm not going to agree with you on that one. Yeah, there's always going to be that dickhead who says <laughs> David Luiz is better than Van Dijk. Obviously, he's not. But you can't let that one idiot ruin it for the other, the rest of the football fans who give good opinions. Yeah, but there's a lot of biased fans out there. That's my point. Obviously, not everyone's going to agree, but I speak to so many people that are so one way, and I can't. I actually, it makes my skin crawl. I think this might even be my biggest pet hate. What, is it to the point where, like, what, you're speaking to them and you just walk away because you can't bear to talk to them anymore? <laughs> Literally. Dan, help me out here, please. Um, it's an interesting one. I mean, from the point you sort of make, is it because the way we are with as football fans now and all this sort of social media that fans become so much more tribal and so much more entrenched in their point of views? Is that, do you feel the way it's going I, at the moment? 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not being funny. If you spoke to an Arsenal fan now and they, they tried to convince you that Arsenal were a better team than Tottenham at the moment, wouldn't that do your head in a little bit? Like, it is what it is. Tottenham are obviously in a better... Okay. Or Man City and Man United. Like, United fans still saying that United are a better team. Like, things like that just wind me up. And, and it happens. Like, I have these conversations on the daily with people oh, at I work. don't cry. I'm getting upset. <laughs> so, right. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I know, I can see where you're coming from, but... The sort of that stupidity of conversation where you have an Arsenal fan who's red in the face and you know adamant that Arsenal are better than Tottenham. If you took that out of the game, <laughs> the conversation would be quite linear and quite boring. Do you know what I mean, you almost need this sort of like ludicrous heated debates. That if you didn't have them, like say for example, if Man City got relegated and Man United were just in the Premier League, like yeah, there'd be a little bit of Schadenfreude because your rivals got relegated. But deep down, you'd really miss playing them twice a season. Do you know what I mean, you need mm. those rivalries and. Yes, like bias fans are absolutely idiots, but without them, you don't really have like the good of it either. So I think you need that to keep everyone else in check. So Fair enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do. I really appreciate where you're coming from because there's nothing worse than you just sort of lost half an hour exchanging tweets with some idiot. You think, well, there's time I'm never going to get back in my life. But sometimes <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna fall out here because <laughs> if you give Yanni this over me, <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Right. I mean, like, it's a strong one, but it's it's clipped the post and gone out. But it's not quite fair enough. Not quite strong oh, look, enough. On. Right, okay, Yanni, it's number four for you now. What have you got for me? So, in at number four is when there's an incident on the pitch. We know what VAR's been like this season. And the ref can't be asked to go over to the touchline and watch the replay on the monitor. The technology is there for a reason. Use it. That's what, that's your job. That's what you're paid to do. I mean, that, that must infuriate the FA. They've invested in these, these monitors to have them next to the pitch they've got a team who's feeding them replays and then the ref is just like eh, i'll just listen to what whatever you say and go with it yeah, it's, but, it's lazy can i just put in here dan yeah the referee going to the pitch the, sorry the pitch side monitor in the middle of a game breaks up the flow massively like you're talking delays and I'm, i've got a season ticket at villa and every time it, you know if this has ever happened or it's ha- i can't there, the, the, the delay, it's annoying. Yeah, but there's, there's loads of incidents where it takes like three, four minutes for the team at Stockley Park to review the incident. Well, why don't the official on the pitch take control of his match that he's officiating, go and look at the replay and make a decision? If it wasn't for the delays, I'd agree with you. If it was a case of him just going quickly and coming back, but I know how long it takes, that, that's what puts me off. So, I don't know. It doesn't I, take that much longer than, than what it does. No, don't get me wrong, I actually do understand your point. Like, it is a good point, but I just think the delays are too much, so it, it's just not enough for me. Mm. Okay, right. So I'm a Spurs fan, and I've got season ticket, and I've also been captured by VAR this season. It's awful at times. Like fundamentally, it's a good principle, like helping referees. There should be more of that. The way it's been implemented at the moment is an absolute disaster. So let's take um, Tottenham Sheffield United. If you remember that game, there was about a three and a half minute check for Sheffield United goal, and it's just basically yeah, like, yeah. was that bloke's toe on or offside. So it took three and a half minutes to decide that. Now, if you're going to the monitor, you've probably got three and a half minutes and then the referee going to the monitor as well. There'd be absolute, I guess, a riot if that happened because you'd be looking at six, seven minutes. Take for example, there you go. Take, for example, the World Cup final. Do you remember that with the handball between France and Croatia? Sissoko, yeah. Yeah, and then that went to the monitor as well. And you sort of think, I'm not against the monitor, but I just think like it's not going to happen this season because you've already set the benchmark and said, for example, you can't be 17 weeks into the season at the point where we're recording have no monitor, and then go, oh, do you know what, we should start using it, because then your integrity of the competition's buggered them, because people go, well, hang on, 
that should have been given three weeks ago, but now with the modern set, do you know what I mean? There'd be too many grey areas that they need to be a bit more fine-tuned. So I think if you get rid of it or you get rid of the lack of people going to the monitor, I think it's more the fact that the lawmakers have said, look, you know, we want to try and get away from this. It's almost the fact that it's there not being used. That's the frustrating thing. But you, you probably will see next season that it will get used because I think everyone's so sick to the back teeth of it not being utilised and the fact that it can make the game better that I think next I mean- season... If you go, if you go to other leagues across Europe, especially Bundesliga, you see the officials going over to the monitor instead of have, having a team squabbling over. Oh, is this toe offside, or is is it is it this is it that? Why not have one official, the on the pitch official, just just go and sort it out himself? Yeah, well, that's a good point because obviously, where you have Stockley Park and your team of video refs, whatever you want to call them. That decision could be different to the referee watching it on the monitor. At, at the end of the day, everything's still subjective. Unless we're dealing with goal line technology, where everything's absolute, where it either goes in or it doesn't. You know, it's mm. arguably the best bit of technology that football's had because it's so, you know, quick bang. You know, look at the watch goal. You know, you can't really fault that, and that's just perfect because there's no. Oh well, I've seen it differently. So the problem you've got at the moment is that you could have the referee might have missed it. Then the control tower's gone, or we're not sure. Why don't you have a look at the monitor? Martin and Martin's gone. Oh well, mm. I'm seeing it different to you, got. And you'd be like, well, who the fuck's like got in? Like, who's in charge of the mm, final decision? Exactly. So it would open Pandora's box, really. So um, it either needs. I think it, you look at it two ways. You either need to get rid of the control tower element and, like I say, just go for the monitor, or you have the control tower and you just take the monitor away from the touchline. You sort of you've got a halfway house at the moment, and no one really knows what's being used at, at what point, really. So mm. um, oh, it's a difficult one. I think it's going to stay out the bin because I think it will come. So I think good lad. I think it'll be the monitor will be. Well, I don't knowing the Premier League and FA they'll balls this up. But really, like I say, it should be a case where you take out the middleman of the <laughs> control tower and they just literally say you should go and look at this. You've missed that. That should be the dialogue. Not we've checked this for three minutes. Then you go and look at it. Blah de blah. So I think exactly yeah. For that reason, I think the referee monitor and the use of it at the moment is going to stay out of the bin because I think we'll need it next season. Fair enough. Right, that was my VAR rant. I just have to take that one on the chin. That's all right, mate. No, that's my weekly VAR rant. That's eight up about five minutes. So, uh, so Pete, <laughs> what have you got for me? No more VAR. VAR's banned for the rest of the show. Yeah, let's let's forget VAR. We'll yeah. go towards the FA Cup. And this one is FA Cup semi-finals being played at Wembley. This pisses me off because, you know, it's happened to Villa in the past. We played Chelsea in the semi-final at Wembley and it just takes the absolute oomph and excitement out of the final. Uh, I, f- I feel like it's an unfair advantage for London teams. No disrespect, Dan, you know, but like the likes of Spurs, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, Arsenal, when they get to these semi-finals, you know, the, the travel is a lot less for them. You've got teams like Newcastle traveling, traveling far distances. It can affect on the actual outcome of the game the commute and travel issues for fans um and costs for them as well um, but like i said my main one is the the oomph and excitement out of the actual final itself uh it, it does my head in i don't, i won't look get excited going back to wembley after we've just been in the semi-final there uh, i don't get why we don't go back to the, the the days where we used to have them at villa park and and obviously st james's park or the, or the, the grounds like that it does my head in. It's annoying. Wembley should be a stadium where, yes, we're here and it's the final and I can't wait to play here. You've, if you've been there a few weeks ago, it's not the same. Well, I think that was ruined when Spurs were playing week in, week out at Wembley. And that as well. Yeah, that went a great era, trust me. But, uh, Yanni, anything to add on the uh, FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley? 
Well, the thing is, there's a lot of smaller clubs who might do extremely well to get to the semi-final of the FA Cup and they don't just just miss out on the final. But that gives them so much incentive and, and it's a great day out for them. My, my counter to that would be a small club getting to the semi-final in itself, one, is very big, and two, going to a ground like Old Trafford, Villa Park, the Emirates, in itself is an amazing day out as well. So I feel like regardless of which ground, if it's a Premier League ground, they're going to be buzzing anyway. Yeah, but it's such it's a good day to go to Wembley. What's the point in having it empty throughout the year and then just the odd final, you know, come to Wembley? Well, that's what it's there for. The, the, the less times, it, it shows how hard it is to get there. Yeah, but all these smaller clubs will never have a chance to get to Wembley. Well, I, I don't care about these smaller clubs, honestly. If you're good enough, you oh, get there. okay. No, I, I won't That's lie. not, not going to sit no. very well with some listeners. No, but like, they get something. I'm not like I'm not saying that they're not going to get anything. They get a good stadium. They just don't get Wembley. You know, Wigan did it. Wigan got to the final. So why can't a lot of other teams? I don't know. I'm just saying. Mm. Right, Dan? Well, well, Wigan was going to be my perfect example because if you're a Wigan fan, right, you've got to the FA Cup semi-final, but you're sort of cheated, really, because you've already gone to Wembley and played the FA Cup semi-final. Like, yes, I know they won and they'll, they'll always have that day, but surely it should be about the road to Wembley, not the road to Wembley twice. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's sort of the whole spirit of the FA Cup is, is lost by just the fact that FA need to make gate receipts because they've built yeah. such a big stadium and they can't you know you're right in the sense that it's never really used but they feel oh god like we need to get some revenue so let's put the FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley as well but yeah I just think it's, you're cheating of that real big day out really and you know I guess absolutely if you're, if you're a small club you think okay you might get to the semi-final and then you might not get to the final you might lose and you think well you've had your Wembley day out but really it should be about getting to Wembley as the FA Cup final itself Like, and, and I know that also ties into the fact that the FA Cup in a, as a competition, it's sort of it's lost its glamour over the last sort of twenty years as a, a victim of the Champions League and all that. Mm. And that that's understandable, and it's trying to f- still find its relevance. And you do get the feeling that you know you're removing replays from what round five and all this kind of stuff, and you sort of think, well, yeah. what is its real future? Like it will always have some sort of role, but you know, five ten years down the line, it could be even further diminished. So I think you still need to sort of preserve that that huge day out the end. So I don't think unfortunately it will ever get changed by the FA because they're money driven. But I no. can. I can kick it in the bin because I'm sick of it as well. So wow. Love that, Dan. Legend. F- FA Cup semi-finals at Wembley. They're going in the bin. So, you're both two for four. It's your final kicks. I know Pete's used what he thinks is his best one early. But, Yanni, have you saved your best for last? You know what? I don't think I have, to be oh, honest. So got, It's a risky left back. He's never ooh, taken a penalty before. That's <laughs> it. I, I, no, it, it does really bother me. So, imagine, again, imagine, your team is winning or drawing against a very good team in the 90th minute in injury time. And they're still trying to play like attacking open football. Go and take it to the corner. Kill the game off. It's all about game management. That's that's what the best teams do so well. I, I can recall so many incidents where we've been, we've been one nil up or whatever, one goal up, and then we're trying to play this fancy football. Next thing you know... They hit us on the break and we don't take the points. It's infuriating because your emotions in the last minutes of the game when you're narrowly winning, your heart's racing. And then when your team goes and does that, they lose possession. It's just rage. It's rage. So for me, that is a massive pet pet hate. Okay, Pete, what do you think of that one? I get it. I get it. You know, I understand exactly where he's coming from. 
There are occasions in games, however, where you have a chance to kill the game off fully, to actually, you know, quit all of this anxiety and put the game to bed with a chance or with a goal. So I do understand it. There are situations where you want your player to go in the corner, kill the game off and see it through. But at the same time, you can't deny the fact that if you have a chance to actually go two goals ahead, go for it. And if it, if it misses, it misses. You went for it. Yeah, but say Aston Villa are playing, say, Man City, yeah? yeah. And you lead him by one goal late on. Mm -hmm. Are you going to try and get another goal against Man City, or are you just going to take it to the corner? It depends. If 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 no, just just okay, answer that okay. question. I'd like them to take it to the to the corner. Yes, I agree. Exactly. I agree. You However, don't want wait, them to play wait. this stupid fancy football. You just want the point. Listen, I'm I'm not being biased here because you know I don't well, like you biased. Are. I'm not. <laughs> I actually agree with you. However, like I said. If it's actually a chance where you could actually score and put the game to bed, a one-on-one -on -one or, or not, okay, not even one-on-one, -on -one, somewhere where there's two-on-two, -two, you don't want your player to go in the corner and kill the game off. You want them to go for it and actually... Yeah, but it's not that easy when, when you're late, that late in the game. All right, so you've got a two-on-two -two now. Rashford and Lingard on two defenders and there's one minute to go. Do you want... Okay, two minutes to go. Do you want them to go and, you know, let, let's try and get this second goal or go to the corner now? Uh, it, it depends. I mean... It, it depends on the opportunity. If it's a golden opportunity, then yeah, go for it. But if you think there's not that many cases where you've got an opportunity to kill the game, because usually by that time, the, the, um, what's the word? What's the word? Uh, sorry, one second. <laughs> <laughs> Little pause. Um, the momentum. That's there we it. go. There, the, the, there <laughs> he is. I could, I could hear I, my brain I ticking then. We found him. <laughs> the momentum is very much in the other team's favour. So just go to the corner, kill the game, take the points. If you don't do that, I'm going to be furious. Right. Okay. So both of you make a very good case. And I think you're absolutely right that if you're watching your team and perhaps you're sort of, I don't know, You've just got an away goal and you protected that and you think, right, nothing silly. We can get out of here. We can advance to the next round of European football. That makes a lot of sense. However, you need that flip side where, say, if you have gone for that second goal, you've gone to kill the game off and then you've been caught out, there's no better side than seeing a team doing that and then getting caught out. And I think if we remove that, then you can't really laugh at teams who shoot themselves in the foot by being greedy. So I think you need that sort of yin and yang in the game, really. Sure. And it's boring, Dan, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to see that. Exactly. Because otherwise you just have everyone playing for the court and that would be really, really naff. So I think you need teams who will be brave enough to, to go for it. And sometimes they might get the rewards, but sometimes they might get severely punished. And I think you need that element of jeopardy to keep things interesting. Otherwise, you know, you'd just be, from 80, you know, for minute 85, you'd be playing for time and the game would just be really, really dull. So I think you need that, ooh, like, that's like, <laughs> like, 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 you, do, you need it really don't you? of course keeps you going to the end really so unfortunately I can't let killing the clock into the uh, bin fuming <laughs> love what? that Dan cheers lad that's alright no so Pete what's your <laughs> fifth and final thing you want to see kicked in the bin now I'll tell you the truth this was a choice of two and I'd love to tell you them both but I can't because I've got to stick with the one um, now this one is penalties which have to be retaken because players are in the box now this annoys me on two levels so firstly i think it's i think it's actually silly and and a harsh rule which can you know it changes the outcome of a game if let's say a player takes a penalty and scores and his mates are in the box i just think it's just a little bit like let's say his arms in the box or his leg i just think it's harsh on the team that have scored what could be a very important goal 
it has to be retaken and potentially saved. That that really annoys me. I think the rule itself is just a little bit harsh. Don't get me wrong. I think if five of the players are well in the box, then yeah, retake it. Um, but if it's like an arm or a leg, like I don't think it should be as, as uh, penalised as harsh as it is. Um, on the flip side, if I'm the player taking the penalty, I'm going to be pissed off if my five players are in the box. So as a fan, my pet hate is you know, four Villa fans in the box when Grealish or Hurahan's taking a penalty, that, that does my head in. Or Heaton, two yards off his line. Because if he ends up saving the penalty, being two yards off his line, and then it happens to be retaken and we concede, that would do my head in. So it, it's it's an issue on a number of different kind of levels. I, I probably should have stuck with the one, but I just think the whole plays in the box when penalties are taken does my head in. Right, so let me just get this clear. Is it fundamentally... Players actually encroaching or players being pulled up for encroachment? Okay, I need to make a decision because they both do my head in. Um, I'll probably go with my own players being in the box when my player's taking a penalty. I'll go with that one. That one does my head in more because they know the rules. So if you know the rules, don't do it and we can keep the goal. Do you know what I mean? Okay, interesting. Yanni, anything to add to that? Well, fucking hell, Pete. How many players break the rules? (laughs) Go on, tell tell me the last time Villa had a penalty and it was scored, but it had to be retaken because your players encroached. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know. However, exactly. wait, let me... Let it me can't annoy you that much. Well, then. it does because when I got the likes of Jamie Vardy, <laughs> when, when, when I got the likes of Jamie Vardy in my fantasy football team and I've got him captain and he takes a penalty and then it has to be retaken and puts me through that whole anxiety again, it does my head in. Madison, what are you doing in the box? That does my head in. So it doesn't just work on Villa. I'm, I'm, saying, I'm speaking for all football fans out there. It does happen. I've seen it a few times recently. Bullshit. Just because it's not happened to the Villa. Come on, Villa. recently. Tell me, tell me. I'm telling you, Vardy. You. Okay, Vardy against uh, Norwich. Cruel um, saved the penalty and then it got retaken and then he scored it, luckily. So I was actually happy. But Yeah, but that's not your point. Your your point is players encroaching. Yeah, and they did. No. They... You're on about the keeper. No, no, no. I'm on about players of the same team being in the box when Vardy's taking the penalty. And a number right. of Leicester players were and it happened. So, listen, that was just one on, on, on the top of my head. I, I'm sure there's many more out there. Right, okay. I think encroachment has been also a symptom of VAR this season, is it? Last season, those things aren't getting pulled up, but because everything's Mm. on the line and everyone's looking at kneecaps and all this, it's like, just getting silly now. The Jamie Vardy one was against Brighton. I know exactly what you mean, because I was in that same fantasy football sweat (sighs) moment where you think, oh, for God's sake, he's dropped points. But then, you know, Ray retook it, scored, and then he sort of got the points. So I think, (sighs) you know, in that sense, he actually got out of jail, didn't he? So... Yeah, he did, but it, it can it can flip. You know, you can score the penalty and, and then you can miss the penalty. So that's my that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yes, yeah, so I see where you're coming from, but you know we've seen evidence where it can work in your favour. So if we removed it, you'd never get that opportunity, would you? You know that penalty is missed and that's it. Play on. Oh, Dan, so, don't do this to me. You know I mean? you've, you've, <laughs> not, you've not thought this through, have you? So there's more there's more to uh, this as you thought. So unfortunately, yeah. no. I can't let that one in the bin only because of fantasy football points. So, but no, <laughs> I, I know it's, it's really annoying, but you have to sort of take into account that there is that odd chance where it can work in your favour. Otherwise, that penalty gets saved unless they don't get a second chance at all, do they? So, yeah, of course. So, there we have it. So, chaps, let's run through the scores. Two out of five each. Not, not shabby because they would go a good solid pick. So, just sort of not really. We've not set the world alight, basically. No, no, but you know. <laughs> If anything, it's all about, it's not necessarily about getting them in the bin. It's all about getting stuff off your chest, having a good debate. The scores are irrelevant, really. There's no winners or losers. It's all about really just getting your pet hates off your chest. So Yeah, I, I have to highlight, you're a very harsh marker as well. I think you're quite tight. <laughs> so, 
Look, it's, it all depends on the episode, really. I mean, if you go back to formal ones, I've had fives and fours, so it's just yeah, yeah I'm only massive. That's all right, mate. Right, so um, <laughs> I know you've scored low, but have you both enjoyed it tonight, chaps? It's been it's been quality. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good therapy for me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. Ramos. I'm done. Not a problem. Yeah, it's always quite cathartic this episode. So yes, um, this will be out uh, just before. Christmas. So if you're having your Brussels sprouts and all that, you can feel free to listen to this one. If you do get around to listen to this, happy Christmas and a happy new year. I'll be back with a sort of mini Christmas roundup uh, sometime over the new year when I'm sort of not drinking. I'll find some time to do a quick Premier League overview. But if I don't, it'll be January the 7th when I'm back. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is The Real Football Cast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.